Welcome to episode 51 of We Going In Presents. Today, I am joined by rapper Pooh of Little Brother to discuss their amazing album, May the Lord Watch. We get into the album, we talk about Pooh's creative process, how the comeback actually came together, and much more, including his foray into artist management. We also talk about Pooh's thoughts on the NBA season so far. After the interview, make sure you hit up the links, check out my books, all on wegoingin.com. Definitely great to catch up. It's been about 10 years, I think, since we last spoke. And we're, we're speaking January 2nd, the day after the New Year. So first off, you know, happy holidays, happy New Year. You know, how have your holiday season been going for you? Happy New Year to you as well. Um, it's been good, man. I, I just had the holidays at my house this year. So uh, just kicked it at the crib, man, with family. And, and uh, I cooked and entertained and... Just chilled out, man. The, the end of the year got kind of wild with the LB stuff and me managing, and so I just I just wanted to just take it easy towards the end of the year. So that's what I did. That's great. Do you have any specialty dishes? Uh, I don't know if I have any specialties. I mean, this year, what I do for Christmas? I did like a seafood gumbo for Christmas this year, and. Um, what else did I do? I did that. I did like uh, chicken wings, gravy, mashed potatoes, greens. I did a little bit of traditional, a little bit different. So I did the seafood gumbo and and uh, and the coconut rice. That was me being different. Nice, yeah. nice. And yeah, you've been you've been really busy. You know, the during you know the the last quarter of the year, really, with with the Little Brother tour and the album coming out and everything over the summer. So, what was it like, kind of going from managing and, and doing different gigs to like having a structured schedule of like tour dates and, and going back on like a press run again? Like, what was that like for you? It was it was it was surreal, man. It was a lot. It was you know. You kind of, you kind of forget what that entails when you when you're out of it for a while, and even if you're not totally out of it, like I wasn't totally out of it, but to that magnitude, I haven't done it. So it just required a lot more focus, a lot more attention, and I just I thank God for having a business partner on the management side because. A lot of that I wasn't able to tend to, being that I was out doing little other stuff. So um, 
it just it was just it was something where you I just had to learn how to balance the two. You know what I'm saying? And really figure out what my schedule was every day. Whereas I was accustomed to getting up and aside from the personal stuff, just getting up and it was management, management, management. That took me to something else. I had to get up. I had to plot out, you know, days before what, you know, what I was going to be doing, what I was going to have time for. So it was just an adjustment, man. But once I got the hang of it, it was tiring, but um, I was able to, to, to do all the things that I needed to do. No doubt. Do you, did you miss it? Like, is it something you want to do again in the near future? Or are you happy to have a little break from everything? I mean, I know you got some more little brother dates coming up, but now that like the major press runs, you know, um, are probably behind you at this point, you know, is that good? Or are you like, want to do it, do it all over again for another project? Uh, you forget how much you miss certain things. And then you definitely are reminded why you don't miss others. So uh, for me, um, it was just the excitement of it being Little Brother again was the thing that, that kept me going. You know what I'm saying? Like even even through the stuff that we didn't necessarily want to do. Um, and, and I mean, even, and I, and I say that, with you know, knowing and understanding that at this point in our careers, we, there wasn't much that we did that we didn't want to do. You know, we're, we're able to kind of dictate exactly what it is we want to do and what we don't want to do. And we're not beholden to any label or anything. Uh, we're not chasing fame. We're not, you know, chasing those things. So we're kind of able to dictate, you know, chart our course the way we want to chart it. But, you know, just, just being with my, my brother again and, you know, us having a different, it's different this go around. You know, we're, we're not only older and mature, much more mature, but we're also, we learned the value of open communication and transparency. And that allows for much easier, it, it allows things to be much easier this go around. That's great. So it's like your friendship and business relationship at the same time seems like it both grew. Definitely. Um, I mean, just in, in, in speaking on the business side, we both definitely more seasoned and understand exactly what it is we want, as I was speaking to earlier. So it was just a thing of having open communication and coming to an agreement on how we was going to chart the course for Little Brother. And and then on the friendship side, we actually became friends. Uh, in the beginning, you know, we were cool. So that's when I say that is not to say that we weren't, you know, friends before, but now we're friends, friends. Like there doesn't have to be a musical element or a work element involved for us to have communication. Cause even before, like we didn't really talk a lot unless it was work related. Now we can have, and we do have plenty of conversations where work, it, it, it gets brought up naturally because we're in that season, but, for the most part, our conversations don't entail work. They're more on a personal level. So um, just having that time apart and being able to grow and mature allow both of us to come to this point. And, and you can see it, you know, when we do interviews or podcasts, whatever, even at shows, 
examples. Like you can just see the genuine love and happiness that we have being around each other. It's not, it doesn't feel like a job as it once did. So that's, that's kind of where we are now. I think that's great. And I mean, I think that really came through just in the overall sound of May the Lord Watch. And, you know, thinking back to like an album like Left Back, I didn't really feel like it had that. It felt like this is an album we have to do, where May the Lord Watch sounds like it was an enjoyable process and bringing people back in the fold for skits and, and, and everything like that sounds like it was just a fun, organic process. I mean, is it as organic, you know, as it sounds? Definitely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, left, while it, it, it has its moments, it definitely was a project that we were contractually obli- obligated to do. And if and if we had it to decide, that project would have never happened. Um, whereas Made a Little Watch, nobody knew we were doing it but us. Um, yeah, like, I, I mean, we could have got a few months in and decided, ah, nah, we don't like where this is going, fuck it. And and it'd be nothing. And nobody would have been the wiser. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it was definitely a thing where that was the closest we were able to get to the listening, the way we recorded the listening. Where when we recorded the listening, nobody knew what we were doing. So there were no expectations outside of the expectations that we might have had in the room. And it, it was just an enjoyable experience. It was new. We were all naive to a certain extent. Um, or made a little watch by, while the naivete wasn't there, there was no expectations outside of the expectations in the room because nobody knew what we were doing. And even as we the process played out, very few people even received the information. So, um we were able to just bond and connect and, you know, spend time together. And, you know, we recorded everything together, wrote everything together and it just, and it was just us two in the room for 99% of the time. It was just Fonte and I in the room. He engineered everything. Um, we picked the beats together. We sat in the room and wrote and, and recorded. That's awesome. And so many artists that I've talked to over the years have loved that convenience factor of being able to record from their home studio and just, you know, oh, I don't need to be in the studio with anybody. I just send it in. I know what I'm doing. I don't have to really be with somebody. But the fact that you and Fonte were together through the whole process of this, like how important do you think that was to the final product? Because oftentimes you hear the other side of like, it's better to just do your own thing and send tracks back and forth, but you don't often hear of, of artists getting together physically, like in the studio at the same, same space, same time to do it. Um, there's something missing when you don't, when you're not in the same space at the same time. Um, and while it's very convenient and it's possible to do from separate spaces, separate separate places at different times, there's something, it's just something about being in the same room at the same time. Um, the energy is definitely, you, you, you can, you witness the energy, you can hear the energy, you can feel the energy when, when it's done together as a 
collaboration, a true collaboration as opposed to uh, emailing verses. And, and that was important to us. Uh, as we set, set out to do the album, the first thing we discussed was how we were going to record it. And, and we decided on day one that we were going to do it together and everything. And, um, and uh, you know, thanks, thankfully, Tay, you know, you know, opened up his home and I stayed there when, cause I, we lived two and a half, three hours apart. So I would drive up to his house and I would stay there for three, four five days at a time. And we definitely, we basically were living together <laughs> during the making of this album for the most part. And, and that was a process that started in October of 2018 and we didn't complete until August of 2019. So, we spent a lot of time together doing the making of this project. And like I said, you can hear it bleeds through. Like you wouldn't have the same project if we didn't spend that time together. That allowed us to not only rekindle the energy we had, but to strengthen it. That that allowed us to perform the album as if it was a conversation as opposed to us just rapping. And, um, and, and like I said, you can hear it, you can feel it. And, and that's how we are now, period. So you can hear the same thing in conversations when we talk. You can hear the same thing when we do interviews. You can hear the same thing when we're on stage. Like it all feels the same now. There's that symmetry where it all feels the same throughout every stage of what we're doing. And I think people really appreciate that. Definitely, I, I would say so. You know, even in the you think about the recording process and how long it took, was there ever any doubt through that process when that the project might not come out and there might not really be a real little brother reunion? Because like even through that time frame, there was talk about like little brothers not getting back together. And so was that something that you were just keeping in your back pocket to really make like a surprise announcement and really like, you know, shock people or was there even doubt in that recording process that like this, this might just be for fun. Nah, we don't, you know, the, the thing is, like, we don't, uh, I, I say it all the time, like, we don't, we don't take practice shots. Um, we're very efficient. So once we started the process, it was a thing of us even taking that step toward starting the process was the sign that I knew we were going to complete it. Um, the only hiccup that we had is figuring out, um, nice involvement um in the beginning and once we got that cleared away it was it was almost like a restart and then once we put the foot you know pedal to the metal we were gone and the whole telling you know not you know not telling people or um just wanting to work in obscurity and and throwing people a lot of things we, we said during that time was just to throw people off the scent because we did the show so the next natural thing people already figured was the next natural thing, the next natural step is for y'all to do a project. Right. And, and so we just wanted to throw people off. And, you know, I released my project in November of 2018. And then Tay released Pacific. He released his project a little bit before that. And he released a specific time. So we were just doing things to throw people off. Um, we had a little break in action. I went on tour and, you know, did different things. But during that whole time, we knew, like, we had a conversation 
and we knew that a project was coming. Um, once we recorded one, two songs and, and knew what we sound like together again, we knew a project was coming. It was just a matter of when, which we didn't know. It was, we had to get that figured out and that came as we recorded more. So, um, yeah, like a lot, a lot of the conversations we were having prior to announcing, you know, that we were back working on music was just to throw people off the set. That's awesome. And when you think about, you know, left back, not having ninth's involvement and now, you know, may the Lord watch not having his involvement. Do you feel like you'll finally stop getting those questions of, you know, is ninth coming back? Is ninth going to do beats? Because you've proven that little brother, you know, doesn't have to be ninth wonder beats that you it's, it's really Pooh and Fonte. You know, do you feel like you, you've finally silenced those questions or do you think you're always going to get those? Uh, I think we're always going to get them, and it's it's just from it's just from a certain section of the audience. I'll say, um, you know, we have the older guys, the older audience that that saw us as an extension of a Tribe Called Quest or a De La Soul or you know Jungle Brothers or whomever they long for the time or they long for when we were a three-man group. So they're going to continuously ask those questions because that's how we were introduced to them. That's what they want to see. And some people you just can't satisfy. You got to understand that. Then you have a section of the audience that, that we were their Tribe Called Quest. We were their day la, or we are, excuse me, their day la soul. We are their tribe called Quest. We are their jungle brothers. So it's as long as y'all making music, we're there to support. Whether knife do the beats, focus do the beats, Trimo do beats, Pete Rock. I don't care who do beats. As long as Pooh and Taya there, I'm 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 in there. So. With that, you have those two different sections and or two different factions, and you know, it's it, it is what it is. Um, I can't, like I said, man, I can't make everybody happy. Can't satisfy everybody. All we can do is what we do. And little brother has been Pooh and Fonte since 2007, and that's the way it's going to continue to be. No doubt, and. When you look at this May the Lord Watch project, at what point were you really on board and really felt like, I, I want to do this, I want to make this project happen? You know, what happened to make you really get on board? Uh, just us taking the time to, we took the time to rebuild our personal relationship. Um, Fonte and I stopped talking. We stopped speaking for like five years. And once we started back talking, we decided to work on us as opposed to just jump right back in and work on music. Like we did, we still didn't do any music together for almost three years. And so that to me was, or not three years, about two, two years, two, two and a half years. But that, that to me was allowed us to organic for things to happen organically. 
And, you know, people would always ask me, you know, friends of mine or whatever, and, and I would tell them, like, look, man, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen organically. You know, that's just that's the way we operate. And you can't force what we had. You can't force what we had. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If it's not, it's not. But you got to allow nature to take its course. And that's what we did. And it just, everything just felt right after we did the one performance. Like, it felt right. Um, up until that point, everything else, it, it would have felt forced. But at that point, it was like, okay, I think this is the time. If we're going to do it, this is the time to do it. And so that's what we set forth to do. That's awesome. And in between, you know, you look at, you know, you picked up some great, you know, some some other gigs, you know, managing. You've got loot. Black Soul with a K and not a Q, and T Smith, you know, because I saw that I saw them with the Q, and it's like, nope, that's that's not that's not how it is. Um, <laughs> that's not how it is. And you know, you even talk about you know doing Uber pickups and doing just you know various side gigs or side hustles. You know, how important do you think it was to kind of just explore other venues and opportunities? You know, like management, which is probably something you'd never get into if little brother was continuously dropping projects is something you'd probably never have time to do well. Um, I think it was important just for me, me to grow. Um, little brother ending the first time as sad as it was, and as unfortunate as it was to me financially, uh, it, it, what it did, it allowed me to almost start over. And it allowed me to really grow and set course like I wanted to set course. And so in, during that time, obviously, I was still recording and still putting out projects. But I also started to think about what was next for me. Um, I can write till the day I go in the dirt. But that doesn't mean I want to continue to put out albums or that I want to continue to tour. So I had to think about what would be, what would the next phase of my career look like? And the next phase of my career started looking like management. And, you know, for me, I, I just wanted to always link up with guys, young guys that I believed in, that I believed had, the talent to to do something awesome and it's, it's not necessarily you know oh i see them being you know making gazillions of dollars that would be awesome you know it'd be fucking fantastic but i i i love their art i love what they do i love the artists they are the artists they're becoming and i just wanted to be a part of that process and so this allowed me to be a part of that process. And and I'm loving it, man. Like, I'm loving imparting the knowledge and wisdom that I have and, you know, hopefully helping them avoid some of the same mistakes I've made. I'm, I'm learning new things as well, as this is a new generation of artists. So I'm, I've had to, you know, open up a little bit and, and, and really be receptive to, to some of the new things that's going on. And, you know, it's... I, I definitely would say if I don't know if I would be here or if I would have got here as quickly without, you know, little brother dissolving the first time. And I was, 
you know, just blessed and fortunate enough that little brother came back around and, you know, we're able to really submit that legacy while still moving on and doing other things. Yeah, for sure. When you think about too, as a, as a manager, did you feel like you developed more of an understanding for what big doe who managed little brother, you know, from the beginning, like went through or some of the challenges he might've faced? A little, <laughs> definitely, definitely some, um, you know, obviously we're, we're different people. Um, we, we have different management styles, but I definitely understand some of the, some of the things that, that he, he could have went through, you know, not only managing us, but some of the other people he managed. So I'm very cogniz- cognizant of that. And, and I'm fortunate to have him as a business partner in the management uh, company that I have to still get knowledge and, and, and wisdom and, you know, just to have that sounding board um, when I'm trying, when I'm, you know, frustrated or caught at a dead end or whatever it is, just to have that sounding board. So um, I definitely became more appreciative of, I always appreciated the job he did, but you become more appreciative once you're doing the job. It's just, it's, it's probably like being a parent where you don't really have a real appreciation for the job your parents did until you become a parent yourself. Right. Uh, that was hard. Start actually. trying to raise your own. <laughs> yeah. Start trying to raise your own kids. So, um, I look at it in that same, you know, that same prism, not the same thing, but the same prism. Yeah. No. And what does it mean to like, to still have those relationships, whether it's Joe Scud or big doe to still like have, you know, the, the folks from the justice league, like still, still maintaining those relationships and connections today, even if it's not like getting together all the time and recording mixtapes together and, and projects, but at least having friendships or relationships today. Means everything, man. Um, a group of those guys are, are really, truly family to me. And uh, we, like, we have a group chat on our phones and like, they're truly my brothers. And so it goes beyond music. It's, it's, you know, it's life. And so um, it, it means everything, man. Uh, I, you know, I tell, you know, I talk to a group of them probably, if not daily, every other day. Wow. So it's not, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not a thing of, you know, we don't really talk, like we don't really get to get up uh, like we used to because people are spread out now, but we definitely have some form of communication a few times a week easily. Um, and then depending on what it is, it could be multiple days in a row. Like it just, it's a group chat. So that thing can spark off at any time, any, any time of night, any time of day, any day of the week. Uh, and I, and I, I, I definitely like that and appreciate that, man. Um, just having that brotherhood and, and not seeing it dissipate as people grew older. Um, and moved on. Some moved on to different things. So, uh, you know, don't I don't keep up or keep in touch with everybody in the Justice League uh, or, or from the old crew, but the ones that I do, we definitely maintain that brotherhood and that bond. And and uh, you know, we like I said, we keep in touch like on a regular basis. That's awesome. 
And thinking about May the Lord Watch, you know, conceptually, you frame the project around the death of Percy Miracles. And, and through that, you're able to bring back so many of the different, you know, vibes and ideas and skits that, that resonated on previous Little Brother albums. How did you and Tay come up with that concept and really sketch it out so that May the Lord Watch has that conceptual feel and then the songs build around that storyline? Um, well, the thing the thing that brought Tay and I back together was the death of Fife. So as we embarked on making this album, we were sitting there thinking, and it's like, what what is the thing that brings people back together? And it's either weddings or funerals. Mm. And so we, we decided to go the morbid route <laughs> um, <laughs> in concept, but um, just figuring out, you know, just tying all of them loose in, you know, we, we created a universe and it was like tying up loose ends inside of that universe. And cause we don't know if it's going to be our last album or not. So if it is, we wanted to really go out the way we wanted to go out. And, um, and that was tying up the loose ends in the universe. And so we decided that Percy was the one that had to go. Uh, that was the one that was going to, and I knew that was the right choice because for some of the people that did have inside information and know we were working on the album, they always asked, what's up with Percy? And then when people found out we were working on music, yo, we got to get more Percy. So it, every time somebody asked for more Percy, the decision to kill Percy off felt right. <laughs> and, um, but it, it it was definitely, you know, we were cognitive of the fact that there they're gonna be there's gonna be people listening to this project that never heard the restroom show. So we have to make sure the skits service fan service for those that's been following us since the mystery show or the listening. And then we also had to make sure that people who may just be getting into Little Brother or didn't get into Little Brother until um get back or left back that they were able to keep up as well so they were just generally funny for those that had no idea what they were listening to and they were funny and they served as fan service for those that didn't know where those characters came from so um and that was that was the balance that we definitely had to walk and make sure we we stayed the course on as we decided to put it put all of that into the album right and one thing i didn't like about may the lord watch is what you talked about though is that it does have that sense of like tying up loose ends because like when you know like a tv series is coming to a close you know certain storylines that played out over seasons like start to get you know be resolved or they let you know like this is a situation that's never going to be resolved and we're leaving it this way on purpose like what I loved about May the Lord Watch was bringing bringing those ideas back, but then also like the idea that this, you know, if this this could be the final season, the final album, because of how you tied things up. Um, so was that kind of an intentional move to say like, let's at least tie up some loose ends here? I mean, obviously we could go back and dig and find loose ends that were not tied up and we could find things that could be revisited i'm sure if we did that but like did you want to tie up those loose ends or is that something that you found you did kind of after everything was done 
Nah, we just we wanted to tie them loose ends up. We, it's been 15 years or going on 15 years, so we just wanted to, to, to tie up all as many loose ends as we could tie up in the time we were allotted. And you know, I, like I said, for me, it works because we don't know musically where we go from here, so or where we're going to go from here. Like I know people, you know, they love to jump online and. Oh, when we getting the next one? Oh, I'm doing the next one. Oh, and it's like, nah, we ain't thought that far ahead, man. Like, we're still working this album. We don't, we don't have any leftover tracks. We don't um, have any plans to, you know, do another one at this time. Um, you know, we're not like, you know, guys today where they, you know, they record seventy-five songs and they just pluck. 12 and put them on an album and they have 12 more they can pluck and they can do that a few times like we don't do that so it's really a, a, a process for us and it takes you know we're still touring this album and working this album and this process started in October of 2018 and we are in 2020 that is rare so you know for those that wish, you know, or, or hope or think we're working on something else, we aren't. <laughs> we're still, you know, going through the process of working this project. And then we'll see see where we are, um, you know, at the end of this process. And like I said, if we don't make another album, at least we tied up plenty of loose ends on the last last album. And you can go and listen to listening mystery show and uh made a little watch in succession and because we didn't have any skits by design on get back but you can go listen to them three albums in succession and kind of you know wrap your head around you know storylines being close no doubt but one thing we don't know is if percy miracles had some acapellas or a hard drive you know, Machiavelli style, you know, the way Tupac, Biggie, all these guys have had new verses and new songs surface years after their passing. So we, one thing that we don't know, right, is, I mean, Percy could have a hard drive somewhere with some old, some old, you know, singing, some old acapellas, right? I mean, it's not completely out of the picture, is it, or out of the question? Well, one, Percy wouldn't have a hard drive because he's old school, so he would have reels <laughs> um, and and that tapes. But you know, you gotta you gotta wait you gotta wait for the process to finish playing out. That's why I tell people, you know, I've been I've I've been going to war with people online about certain things. You know, they've been asking for physical copies, CDs in particular, and and uh, or, or how, why is the vinyl taking so long? And it's like, yo, be patient. Got to let the process play out. It's going to be a lot of surprises in there for you. It's going to be a lot of Easter eggs laid for you. That's going to lead to somewhere. Let the process play out. When we say the run has ended, then you can come with all the questions you, you, you need to come with. But until then, enjoy the ride. <laughs> no doubt. We still have, we, we still have time left on this ride. And looking at this project, do you feel like, because I feel like when the Minstrel Show dropped, what you guys were trying to do with the humor, like the fans who were like who had had been in touch 
up to that point, you know, through like the listening and, and the early days, like got what you were doing with the minstrel show. But I feel like some of that humor went over the casual listener's head and that it wasn't like clear to everybody what you were doing on the minstrel show, especially if they were like just jumping on board. Did you feel more comfortable with the satirical humor you're doing here that it's going to be received by and like understood better? I did for one reason, the title of the album. That's why things went over people's heads. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the, 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 the humor within the album. The title stopped everyone on the mystery show. And so you had people who were confused, people who were wondering why once we have our big break of releasing on the major label, why we would turn around and point our finger at the industry. And they got stuck at the title without even getting into the album. And because if you listen to the album, we basically just showed you what a good hip hop album in 2005 could sound like. People were expecting and waiting for us to talk about other rappers or other artists and, you know, stand on our soapbox and different things. And that's not what we did. So they, they were stopped by the title. Whereas Made a Little Watch, that's not stopping you. That's not controversial. It's not soapboxy, preachy. And so because the album title was soft, a soft blow, or soft landing, they were able to really get into and digest what it is we were trying to accomplish on the album because they weren't off put by the title of the album from the get go. And I think that's, that was just the major difference. Like the humor in the albums didn't change. Our way of humor doesn't change. It was just the title. That's, that's it. And I feel like the expectations back in 2005 and even before that was like if you were considered, you know, quote, underground artist, that you were rapping about rapping, rapping about the industry, rapping about other rappers and talking to some of the guys who were some of the most guilty of that and talking to them, you know, in the past couple of years, they've told me how like they listened to that, to their previous work and they're like, I cannot believe I talked about the industry so much. The only people that cared about the industry were really other people involved in the industry. So I was basically rapping to my peers and, and not thinking about reaching bigger fan bases. You know, I know that's not you guys, but thinking back to that time, I mean, that really was different expectations from fans from what you experience, you know, today, 15 years later. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, the thing we always try to do and, is is just talk about what where we were in our life at the time and you know sometimes it involved industry talk a lot of times we were just talking about personal things and and i just think this go around you had a combination oh i'll say this this go around we we did learn a lot and we learned how to soften the blow but still get our point across and once you go through an experience like we did with the mystery show, you are definitely sure to not make the same mistakes twice. Mm. And, and for as much as I love that album, 
And I, the only thing, like I said, I would change is the title. You definitely learn how to do things a little differently. And so when we came into this process, we just wanted to still get our point across, still get the point of, you know, the concept of the album across, but we wanted to make it open for anybody to, to whether you been a fan since the listening or you just happen to see this album, see two, two guys in suits on the cover and wonder, Hey, what's that? And, and press play. We wanted you to be able to enjoy the album the same. So, and that just comes with maturity writing. Definitely. Maturity as a songwriter. It, and, I've always been fascinated by that too because like Master Ace talked about that with me a, a while ago but you know talk about it, like he couldn't believe how preachy he had been and then once he consciously realized like he realized it then consciously tried to still get his messages across but do it in ways that were more palatable and listenable so like you talk about that maturity and and like kind of quote like softening the blow how do you actually go about doing that and kind of just being like meta about that and thinking about how others are going to think about what you're saying. You have to put you in the story. And I think that's where a lot of young writers air is they write from a perspective that's not necessarily theirs. And when you put you in the story and people are, People walk away feeling like I know or understand you a little bit better or I know and understand you more. It it does something different to them as opposed to it feels like you're talking to them instead of talking at them. And and I think that's the big difference um, is really learning how to talk to people when you write as opposed to talking at people. And and then when you just talk about the industry a lot, man, people that are in the industry, they don't give a fuck. Like, they're not like, dude, I go sit in the cubicle all day. I don't care about your industry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so um, just learning and understanding those things, like I said, and, and, and that just comes with becoming a more experienced writer and, and being open to wanting to, to change and, and be better. So what is your writing process like? How do you put your songs together? Uh, it varies, man. Um, it's definitely changed over the years. Uh, when I'm by myself, it man, it can take days. Uh, now, I used, to, I used to have a rule when I sat down to write, I didn't stop till I finished the song. Shit, now it may take me a couple of days to finish a verse if I got the time. Just, I'm just very, I pour over what I'm saying more. Um, I, I like to really take my time and come back. It's almost like editing yourself, proofreading yourself. You know, you write something and then you come back and you see if you feel the same way. When you wrote it, you can feel like I feel real good about this. And then you can come back two, three days later and be like, uh, I ain't so hot on that anymore. So it's the same effect for me now, man, where I just, I just take my time when I have it. I really just take my time and 
try to plot out what I want to say and how I want to say it and different ways to say it and using different words and, and just go over it, set it down. Next day, two days later, come back, see if I can tighten it up. And I just constantly do that. And so, like I said, it can take me days to weeks to finish songs now. That's why I used to be able to finish them in hours. Um, but like I said, it's not a race, man. It's, you know, I had to learn that. It's not a race. It's about having the quality as opposed to having the quantity. Mm. So I don't record as much as I used to. I don't have the output that I used to have because I'm more concerned with the quality of my work and not necessarily how much work I have in the street. And once I slowed down and started looking at it like that, I think my writing became even better. Like I've always felt I'm a, I got better with each project, but I was able to jump leaps and bounds once I slowed down and started concentrating on the quality of my work a lot more. So how did you do that? Like, did something happen? Was it a conversation? Was it like kind of just like a moment of awakening for you? Like what made you switch to that outlook? Being uninspired. Mm. <laughs> um, I went almost two years and didn't release anything because I was uninspired. Like, I was just like, man, I, I don't want, I don't even know why I'm still doing this. I don't have the same love, the same, I don't get, you know, my endorphins don't start pumping the same when I release music or put out music. And um, so I just took time to recharge. And that's when I actually started managing. And just took time to recharge, man. And 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 during that time, you kind of assess your process, your your processes. And that was one of the things that I took time to assess was my writing process. And and I was just like, yo, man, it's not a race, man. Why are you speeding through this? You make so many, you can make so many corrections that are tightened tighten up what you're doing if you just slow down and really take your time and, and, and really think about different ways to say things. And so that's, you know, that's during that two year hiatus when I finally started working on music again, um, when I started working on RPM actually, that was me really for the first time putting into practice what I had been thinking about. And that's really taking my time and crafting what I want to say and, and saying it how I want to say it and delivering it how I want to deliver it. And and that was just, like I said, that was just me putting into into action what I had been thinking about for probably at least a year. So how did that process that you have mesh with Tay when you look at recording together for May the Lord watching, like, you guys might be together for four or five days, but you're coming up on that fifth day. You know, how do you keep with your process without feeling like you have to rush because you're heading out and you have to get this song done before you leave or anything like that? Um, I mean, it, it, it meshed well. I mean, cause Tay is kind of the same. He doesn't, you know, and, and of course I had, to, I shortened up the time. Like I didn't, you know, I wouldn't take like two weeks to write a verse or nothing, but I shortened up the time. And it and it's 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 a lot easier when you have someone else to bounce 
ideas off of. Um, and, and, and it's a whole lot easier when you don't have to write a complete song by yourself. So, um, but in that four or five days, me and Tay may have worked too. Like we didn't, we didn't work for five days straight or four days straight. It was, it got to a point like I never, we never worked the first day I got there. There wasn't, when I, when I got there, we would just do other shit. We would watch TV. We would listen to music. We would talk about things we want to do or whatever, but we, it was never turn the mic on and let's rap the first day. So we didn't honestly start working most times until the second day. And, and then it was always at night. So I had time during the day while he was doing other things and I was doing in the midst of me doing other things. I could always go and fidget and, and, and touch up and look and see if I wanted to change something or whatever it is I was working on. And But for the most part, like I said, it, it meshed well um, because I think me slowing my process down, what it did for me was it, it allowed me to be more in the moment while we were recording and not always, okay, what's next? What's next? Okay, what's the next thing? What's next? What's next? I mean, it was time that we started to work on something and it just wasn't clicking like we wanted to. And I was leaving the next day. I was leaving that night and it wasn't clicking. And it was just like, all right, fuck it, man. We'll work on it later because this ain't clicking and we're not putting that type of energy on the record. So, I mean, that's just, we just took our time. That's why it took us as long as it took us because we honestly took our time and, and did it right as opposed to rush through it just to rush, just to say we did it. Right, because I think that was always a fear, and that's not just with Little Brother, but with any album, is like you know, like the anticipation is so high, and every everyone has these, you know, grandiose expectations of like what they want it to sound like based on the era of Little Brother that they love the most, um, and so I think that that was important. You know, did you feel any pressure while working on this from? you know, thinking about what the fans are going to be wanting or expecting or, or any of the noise that's going to come when they hear of the reunion and then when the album actually drops? Nah, man, I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't care. It wasn't until we were close to being finished that I started becoming anxious, wanting to know what people thought. But, um, I, I as we were making it for the most part, man, I didn't give them. I didn't give a damn, man. Like, I was back, connected with my brother. We were having a good time. We were bonding. And we were creating some, what I thought was dope-ass music. And it wasn't like anything that you heard that was coming out. And so I felt that we were, we were in a great place and it was going to get to who it was going to get to. And I didn't care if old fans were going to be mad that night wasn't on it. I didn't care if old fans were going to be mad that it didn't sound like something else we've done. I didn't care. I just, I felt we were making great fucking music and that if people gave it an honest listen, that they would like it too. And that's, 
that's all it was for me. Like I said, my anticipation didn't start to raise until I knew we were getting close to release or close to finish. And I, I just became anxious because I, like I said, I was, I was ready and eager for people to hear what we had been working on and, and and then just being anxious because you knew something was coming, but nobody else knew. Like I still had producers calling me once we said we were working. We were halfway done or at least 60% done. But I had people calling me in July about getting on a project. It was, we were, we were pretty much done by then. We were mixing and making final touches. So to not be able to tell them that, but to kind of play it off, it, that's when that anxiety builds. It's like, oh, if you only knew what I was sitting on over here. Oh, shit. But, I mean, that was it, man. Like, any other expectations? I didn't have them. Like, I, to this day, I don't know what the, what the number of units we sold or streamed are. Don't care. <laughs> like, I, I really don't give a fuck. Um, it was just, I know what the impact is. And that's what's more important to me now with all this funny math we got going on. It's about the impact. I know the shows are packed. I know people buying the merch. I know people are still talking about the album. I'm good. And, you know, did you feel that temptation to, like, once the album dropped, like, I got to see what the reviews are. I got to follow, like, the May the Lord Watch hashtag on Twitter. Like, um, once the album dropped, or were you able to, like, eventually mute those like how did you feel about about it once the album was out and like caring about what people said i mean hell yeah i mean we definitely i mean shit we was doing that the night it dropped uh we were sitting in the hotel lobby after we shot the black magic video and we were sitting in the hotel lobby just me and tay at like two thirty three in the morning and drinking champagne on our phones looking at live reactions so, you know, you definitely want to know what people think, how people feel, and, you know, definitely read the reviews and see what people's thoughts are. And you take shit with a grain of salt, man. You know, all this is subjective, man. There's no, you know, what, what I may hate, you may love. So you just, you take it all with a grain of salt. You know, we laughed at some stuff. We, you know, it was some stuff that, you know, people assumed. And it wasn't until which we also knew and understood it wasn't, it wasn't going to be until we went on our press run that people were going to get a full understanding of why we did things the way we did it and why, you know, knife wasn't on it and, and, and those certain things. So those things, you know, may frustrate you a little because you know, you, you can't sit online all day and tell thousands, thousands and thousands of people why you did this one little thing. So it was just like, ah, oh, man, I can't wait till we do this press run so we, we can explain certain things. But for the most part, man, it's, that's just all entertainment, man. Like, people are going to say what they're going to say. Everybody's a critic now. So, you know, we just sat back, drank champagne, and laughed. Yeah, that's, that's a great outlook on it. And um, also, I like the fact that you actually talk about, you know, reading through everything because I feel like so many times, like, I mean, I feel like most artists go through the feedback and, and are reading everything about them, but they'll play it off like, no, I don't, I don't read anything. Like, I don't know what people say about me. 
but it's 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 clear that they do so i definitely appreciate that the honesty both there yeah. and like throughout the album yeah you 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 want to know i mean the main thing we were looking for is did people get it did people get what we were trying to convey and that's what you look for when you when you're reading through feedback you know aside from i like it i don't like it this why I like it, this why I don't like. Did you get it? Did you get what we were trying to do? And and that's like I said, that's what you end up looking for nine times out of ten. And when you see people got it, and like I said, it's always I knew it was gonna be people who ain't like it. I knew it was gonna be people who loved it. You know, you just you don't you don't know how many it's gonna be in each category, but you know it's gonna be people who don't like it and people who love it. So if you go into it expecting everybody to love it, you're just fooling yourself because that's not how people work. It's going to be contrarians that they just don't like it because they see all these people who love it. Yes. And they're going to, and they're going to say they don't like it because they don't want to be one of the sheep or they don't want to be a follower or in the herd or whatever. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's all those different things, man. So, you know, you, like I said, you just got to take, what you're reading with a grain of salt and, you know, social media, contrary to popular belief is not the real world. And you see what impact you're making when you're in the real world. And the real world for us is going to these cities and doing shows and people showing up and buying the merch and wanting the vinyl for a collector's item and, and wanting more videos and those different things. And that's when you know you're making an impact. And I believe so far we've, we've definitely made an impact. And like I said, we still have a lot more to come. Definitely. No, I think that's great. And got to ask, how did you get Jamel Hill on the album? Because I, I love what she did and overall just what she does, you know, through Twitter and her podcast and, you know, just her commentary, you know, so I love that she's on the album. You know, how did you pull that off? How did we get who? Jamel Hill. Oh, Jamel Hill. Uh, that was through Tate, man. He's, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely, um, she's a, I know she's definitely a fan of the foreign exchange and little brother. And, um, I guess they met at some point in time and, uh, and Tate reached out to her. And I mean, we were doing a sports show. Why not have somebody from the sports world? So it was a natural fit. And, um, and now she, she, it was, it was perfect. What she did was perfect for what we were looking for. And, you know, it was dope, you know, being that obviously I'm a sports head, so I know who she is and I'm very familiar with her work. And just to have that on the album was just super dope, man. But it, it, like I said, that was Tay. He just reached out to her and she sent it back. And and one of those age old arguments is Jordan or LeBron, and then you throw in you know people from different generations. You know, are you one of the Jordan heads who's always you know arguing for Jordan, or has LeBron changed your mind? Like, where do you stand on the Jordan LeBron argument? I don't compare different generations. I don't I don't cross generation do cross generation comparisons because athletes have evolved over time, and they're going to continue to evolve. Um, the game has evolved and changed over time. It's going to continue to evolve and change. So it's hard to compare Jordan, who played in an NBA that wasn't as athletic as it is now, 
that didn't rely on three-point shooting, that the big man ran the game, that they clogged the paint in, they could hand check, you damn near can get clothesline, and that was a common foul. I can't compare him to how they play now. It's like wreck ball. Like, not a lot of defense, pulling up from 30 feet, shooting threes. You breathe on somebody too hard, you go into the foul line. Like, I can't compare what he did versus what LeBron's doing now because it's not the same NBA. So LeBron is great. Jordan was great. Will Chamberlain was great. Oscar Robinson was great. Bill Russell. But we were talking about different we talking about different eras here. You know what I'm saying? So we're, I done I done named at least three different eras and we're talking about three different versions of the NBA. Right. So it's like how can you really compare one to the other when we'll never see I'll never see LeBron play in the nineties where they had the Jordan rules and hand checking. And I'll never see Jordan play in the space, the running gun NBA with people pulling up from 30 feet shooting threes. Like we thought it was, it was crazy when Jordan hit six threes in the finals against Portland. It was crazy. It was like, Oh my God, I can't believe he did that. Man, there's people shooting. Kelly Oubre just hit seven threes in the game the other day. Like, it's it's whatever now, like all type of people doing that now. So I I'm just not one of the people that that I go the greatest of era. And Jordan was the greatest of his era when he played, and LeBron is the greatest of his era that he's playing in now. Yeah, and no. that's that's just how I gotta look at it. And I mean, too, even thinking about just the training methods have changed and evolved so much from the 90s to today where there's so much more of a focus on training, even today, load management to where guys are able to get bigger. They're able to extend their careers and put up bigger numbers like just the the whole outlook and philosophy has changed so much uh, and it's continuing to change. The health, the the, uh, medical procedures have changed, like, you know. ACL injury in the nineties at the end of your career. Right. Like it was over. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And Achilles injury in the nineties, you were done. Hang it up. Toss your shoes over the over the over the goalpost. Now it's you know, you you have all these advancements in technology and healing and I mean, you know, yeah, it's definitely gonna be different. So you know, like I said, man, I, I just I don't get into the arguments, man. You know, I laugh at people who argue and you know try to say one is better than the other. And it's like you can like the way the NBA is played now versus how it was played then, or vice versa. But we we don't know what any of these players would have done in other players, you know, eras. Do I think? They would still be great. Yeah, I just think they had the will and the want and the God-given, you know, genetics to be great. But we don't know how great they would have been, and we'll never know. So yeah. why not do it? So one thing I always loved about our hip-hop game interviews was we always, you know, talk some sports at the end of every interview because I know, you know, you're a huge fan of sports, like you said earlier. So, you know, last question for you as we wrap this up. You know, what surprises have you been, you know – have you seen so far in the NBA season, you know, those, you know, anything you've been pleasantly surprised with or that just 
You didn't predict, you know, back in October when the season was starting? Um, I'm I'm just now really starting to get into the NBA. Um I'm one of them I watch it, but I don't really get knee deep into it until Christmas time. I'm one of them guys. But I mean, I mean the league really um, doesn't start until after Christmas, really. I mean <laughs> Right. Uh now now we're getting into getting into NBA season. But uh I think um some good surprises. I'm I'm I tweeted it out a couple of weeks ago. I'm definitely surprised at how good the Lakers are. Like I knew they were gonna be good. I mean you have LeBron and A D, but I was skeptical and I'm I still am to a certain degree of their supporting cast. And I didn't I didn't count on them being as good defensively as they are. Cause what that took was a fully engaged LeBron, mm. which we didn't see last year. And now you have a fully engaged LeBron, almost like he's trying to prove a point. And so you you're looking at one of the top defenses in the NBA right now. Um my only worry for them is this is a marathon, not a sprint. And they're playing it like it's a sprint. They're coming out playing every game like it's a sprint. And LeBron is in like his 17th season. You going you, you ain't gonna be able to play that way all year, buddy. <laughs> like that's not gonna work for you. And AD hasn't shown he can play a full season yet. So, and, and I think they still need some more help. Um, at least another creator, a guy that can create their own shot off the dribble. But definitely surprised by them. Um, I'm surprised that. Uh, Golden State is it not Golden State? Uh, Sacramento is as bad as they are. Um, I think they. I thought they were going to be better under Luke Walton, but he just may not be the guy. But I, 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 I thought it was a mistake in them firing their coach that they had last year when they were making improvements. But um, it's Sacramento, and they always do something stupid. So. And and, just, and I don't understand, it, yeah, because like I don't understand how Luke Walton warranted another chance. Like I think he kind of proved his limitations, you know, with the LeBron Lakers. Like you know, young guys didn't really develop till they I, I, left. I, I, I think he warranted another chance. I think he warranted another chance because when you coaching LeBron, that's you you damn near got to judge that as something different. So. And then all of the problems, the drama that they had last year, they have nothing to do with on the court. Um, I, I thought he deserved another chance. I just didn't. I didn't think that. I didn't think that Sacramento would be as bad as they've been because they weren't this bad last year. So that's why I didn't. I didn't think. I think they made a mistake getting too many veterans. Um. So I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm still waiting to see how that play out because um, Darren Fox had been hurt. So I think he's back now. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see how that play out. But so that's that's kind of shocked me. Um, I'm a Wizards fan, and it shocked me how uh, entertaining, even though they're losing, how entertaining they were going to be. Um, for a time, they was the top scoring team in the league. Now they gave up the most points as well, but uh, they you, you was gonna have to outscore them. 
you know, you, you know, it wasn't going to be an easy win. So um, until they started, everybody started ending up hurt. Um, they were definitely a very entertaining team. Probably the most entertaining 20-something lost team I've ever seen in history. Uh, I didn't think Toronto was going to be as good up until Siakam got hurt. But I didn't think they were going to be as good once Kawhi left. And they're coming off a championship. Uh, I didn't think that I was surprised that how Kimba fit into Boston and they actually are better than they were with Kyrie when Kyrie is without a doubt the better player he has the better he has the better talent but I think Kimba is the better team player and that's proven because Brooklyn isn't doing well um so I, I definitely was surprised by that and I I I was shocked. I think everybody was shocked at how far Golden State has fallen. Yes. Like, nobody expected them to be competing for a championship, but you also didn't expect them to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. Now, this probably is going to come back to be the best thing to happen for them um, uh, because they're going to end up with a high pick, so they're going to have a high lottery pick. They're developing a lot of young guys. And Steph Curry and Clay Thompson probably don't play another minute this year. Uh, I definitely know Draymond Green has been on the pitch count. So I think this is going to end up benefiting them a lot come next year. Uh, I think D'Angelo Russell is probably going to end up getting traded up out of there for pieces once everybody's back. But um, I, I, didn't, I didn't expect them to be what they've become. Like they, besides from Green, they basically have a G League team that's playing every night. So, um, that's that's been that's been shocking. So those are just some of the things I picked up on. Um, for you New York Knicks fans, I definitely, I don't think anybody outside of the the the, the New York area is surprised. You know, when you sign four power forwards in free agency. Um, <laughs> nope. I don't know what you think you were doing. Uh, but, yeah, no, nah, it's, it's, I mean, like I said, I'm really just getting into it. I'm about to really get into college basketball just so I can, you know, I want to know what these guys who's coming out look like. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I'm enjoying it, man. I'm, I'm going to start going to go catch a couple games. I, another shock and surprise right here in Charlotte. And I know Charlotte is surprised at how well Devontae Graham has been playing. And I tweeted this out. I don't think Charlotte knew what they had in Devontae Graham because if they did, they wouldn't have signed Terry Rozier to all that money. Um, But Devontae Graham is playing like an all-star. And last year he couldn't even get on the court. So that's been a, that's been a surprise. Um but yeah, man, I'm 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 definitely excited for this, you know, for, for this season, this NBA season. And I this is one of them years where you you know, it's wide open and you truly don't know who's gonna end up in the finals. 
you can you can guess. You can say, oh, I think the Lakers going to go because everybody wants, you know, LeBron there, but you truly don't know. I think the Clippers going to have something to say about that. Uh, I think Houston is going to end up having something to say about that. I think they're going to make a change at the trade deadline. And it's, it's going to be exciting, man. It's going to be exciting come after the All-Star break. Definitely. And being a Virginia native, were you excited about the UVA? Did, like, were you rooting for UVA in the in March Madness? Because, I mean, I'm from from Jersey, but have been living in Charlottesville since 2002. And so, like, my kids have met, you know, various guys like, you know, Kyle Guy and Mamadi, like, throughout, you know, just running into them in town and everything. So, like, we were clearly, you know, pulling for UVA pretty hard. Like, we, we, were you rooting for UVA or um, intrigued by that whole run that they had? I was not rooting for UVA. Oh, man. Uh, I, I, I am a University of Maryland basketball fan. Oh, no. Um, I mean, I was happy for him. Um, definitely was happy for him. And I was happy for him because that style of play that they play, nobody expected them. And then when they lost to, like, the 16th seed the year before, like, nobody expected them to go on that run. So I definitely was happy for him. But, um I'm not a UVA fan at all. I'm a, oh, I'm a Maryland man. fan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's me. Well, I'm still celebrating that championship. You know, we, we we don't look like a national championship team this year, but we still got it till, you know, early April at least. Yeah, man. I mean, anything can happen. Uh, this is probably one of the most unpredictable college basketball seasons I've ever seen. Number ones lose every week. So you never know. All you gotta do is get hot at the right time. Exactly. You can end up back. You can end up back in the back in the final four. No doubt. So, so musically, you know, um, any solo projects, anything in the works? Or are you really focusing on the management and just working? May the Lord watch at this point. Um, I, I mean, I, I have I have some ideas over here that I've started, and you know, I've done you know, getting just finally starting to get back into um a point where I'm recording again. Just fiddling with stuff, just trying to see where I am, where I'm at, how I feel about certain things and so we'll see. Um we'll see man. I, I at this point I'm learning not to put not to put any expectations on on anything 'cause I don't know where this little brother road is gonna lead. You know, at this point, uh, we like I said, we still have other things, you know, we want to do as far as that's concerned outside of doing the shows that we have coming up, which we're still adding, and you know, as as we as we speak. So we'll see, man. Um, I definitely want to put, you know, at least a couple singles or something out this year, but I just have to see how I go, how I feel about certain things as I come through and. And then, of course, the management, man. I got all my guys releasing projects this year. Uh, uh, Black Soul is going to be releasing his debut album. Um, and then uh, Luke is going to be releasing his debut album. Uh, we actually getting his first single ready to go right now. So, you know, T. Smith is going to be releasing his a project. Uh, we getting that finalized, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. So, I'm, I got my hands full with that. 
you know, we'll, we'll see, man. If inspiration hit, I'm going to go lay something down. And once I lay it down, I'm going to give it right to the people. I ain't holding nothing. <laughs> nothing is to be held.